Amen to all that shaking. I just have one more announcement. On the 15th, November 15th at 11 a.m., we're going to be having a seminar on how to heal the sick from 11 to 2. So everyone is welcome. That's Saturday, um, November 15th. So I, I appreciated hearing Pastor George's sermon the last two weeks talking about that those credit cards are dangerous. You know what happened? Somebody stole my wife's credit card about three weeks ago, but I never reported it. You know why? Because the crook spends less money than my wife does. I said, forget about it. This morning I stopped in 7-Eleven and I heard these two, a mother and a son arguing. And the son was saying, I don't want to go to church. The mother said, why not? The son said, because they make fun of me. They're always picking on me. They hurt my feelings. I'm not going to church. The mother says, but you got to go. The son says, why? The mother says, because you're the pastor. <laughs> well, that's what happened in 7-Eleven, Eli. I don't know. Okay, I better quit with the jokes here. And I'm gonna talk about the news. You see, if you watch the news today, you'll, you'll hear about many things, many negative evil reports that, that will bring fear into your heart or things that threaten your life, terrorism, earthquakes, incurable diseases, financial collapse, violence in the street, even in the Bible, in Luke 21, 26, it says in these last days that we're living in, the days before Jesus' return, it says that people will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth. 2 Timothy chapter 3, again, speaking about the days we're living in now, this was predicting what the world would be like before Jesus came. It says, people will be boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited. I'm seeing things now that I've never seen in my whole life. People's thinking nothing to cut off the heads of children. Mass murderers. See, the, the world has been getting dark and the battle has been raging, but I have some good news for you today, and that's God has a promise for you in the midst of whatever's going on around you. So I'm going to read the whole of Psalm 91 which is a tremendous promise of God for these times. Psalm 91, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, 
my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in your hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra and will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will, I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. See, the promise of God for your life is greater than anything that this world can do to you. I, I want to repeat again verse 1. It says, whoever dwells or lives in the shelter of the Most High God will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. That means if you're feeling spiritually weak, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're in the right state of mind because God promises to be your hiding place, but you got to get in the zone. It says, if you'll dwell under his shadow, the only way you could get under a shadow is you got to get close. See, these are days when it's time to press into the presence of God. No matter how you're feeling, in your weakness, on your worst day, when you feel you got nothing left, God says, I will be your fortress. I will be your peace, your place of rest, even when all hell is breaking out around you. See, God doesn't promise that everything is going to go wonderfully in your life. You're not going to have problems. In fact, the Bible says just the opposite, that if Jesus was attacked, if Jesus went through stuff, you're also going to go through stuff. But what does God say? Right in the midst of it, you, can, you have a hiding place to step into. And that's not just about church. Well, I'll go to church. I'm spiritually covered in church. I'm strong. I'm going to show up in church on a Sunday. You can, you can be a law of enforcement officer walking into a crack house, and the spirit of, the God, of God is your fortress. If you're going through abuse, 
If you're walking through the street at 3 in the morning, God is your fortress. This isn't just about church. It's about a walk with the God who loves you. You see, you have a father up in heaven, and you are the apple of his eye, the Bible says. And when somebody messes with you, when somebody attacks you, it's like they're sticking a finger in God's eye. You see, I don't, I don't know about your earthly father if he was there for you, if he protected you, but your heavenly father, he sticks with you. He walks with you everywhere that you go. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry. Verse 3, it said, surely he will save you from the fowler snare. You know what the fowler snare was? That was the, the bird hunter. He would put a trap and the bird would walk into it. Did you ever feel like a bird caught in a trap? You know what that promise is saying? That anybody that tries to lay a trap for you, the, the, the robber waiting in the darkness, the co-worker plotting to make you lose your job, somebody who's gossiping or speaking against you, the Lord is there and he's going to spring that trap. You will not be caught in it. I, it doesn't matter who doesn't like you. Who's trying to make you lose your job, divide a friendship, God will expose it, but you got to stick with him. This is for those that love him. If you love the Lord, let me hear you. Let me hear a shout. If you love him today. Listen to this promise from Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment you shall condemn. No matter who's trying to hurt you or stop you or trip you up, it's not going to work because God is greater. The one that lives in you, the Spirit of God, is greater than anything in this world. You are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer. I'm going to continue in verse 3. It says that God will save you from the deadly pestilence. I'm going to skip to verse 6. The, the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at new day can, noonday can harm you. Now, what is pestilence? That's a fancy word. So I looked it up, and here's what it says. A contagious deadly and overwhelming disease that affects an entire community. Do you hear anything in the news about that? About a deadly plague that it seems can break out, that even if they think somebody might somehow have it, they try to tell them, you can't come out of your house for three weeks because maybe you might have it. Oh, what a promise that says that plague cannot touch you. You don't walk in fear. If you are a doctor, nurse, if you're in a school, 
Wherever you go, you got something better than any kind of inoculation. You've got the Spirit of God that's greater than any disease. In fact, there, there was a man about 100 years ago, a Christian missionary named John G. Lake, and he was in Africa at the time of what was called the Black Plague that killed millions of people. And he began to pray, and people were healed. So the doctors wanted to try to figure out how he was able to do it. And he agreed, and they, they took samples of the black plague, which would kill somebody in an instant. They put it on his hand, and, and the germs began to die. You are a germ killer. You, you, you are a disease destroyer. You have power over every sickness and disease. In fact, I, I want to pray right now. I, I want to pray over you that God right now, he's covering you from any sickness. That he's covering you from the ent enterovirus, which many children have gotten, which they say is incurable. Right now, in Jesus' name, I speak the Lord's covering over you. I, I say no disease can come near you. I destroy Ebola right now. It will not touch you or your household. In Jesus' name, no sickness, no virus. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you, Lord God, that by your stripes we are healed. I'm going to go down to verse 5. It says, You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. What do we hear every day in the news? The terrorists are coming. They're already here. They're out to bring destruction. And so many people are afraid to go in the subways, to go to work, to walk into Manhattan. But what does the word say? A thousand can fall at your left side, 10,000 at your right hand. It's not going to touch you because you live under the shadow of an almighty God. In fact, the safest place in the world you could be is the place that God tells you to be. Just where you're planted right now. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. We're not going to fear the terrorists because God is our shield. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. I, I, I just feel I want to pray for you again. Right now, in Jesus' name, I decree that as you go into the subways, as you go through Manhattan, in Jesus' name, no terror attack, no violence will touch you or your family in the name of Jesus, that you will walk in peace. As the Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will fail them because of fear, but not you, because you know who you're walking with. 
a father who will not leave you nor forsake you. In, in, in Psalm 46, it says that God is our ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gave way. If the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, if everything begins to fall apart, I'm gonna dis I decided I'm going to sleep at night. Because I'm going to live in that secret place. You see, you see, I don't know about you, but emotionally, I don't do too good in a crisis. And my wife, the last few years, there's been many times where she went into a crisis and I had to call 911. Now, maybe some of you, you're real calm and cool when that happens. Me, I start running back and forth, knocking everything over. I get all confused. But in the midst of that, every time I step into the secret place of the Most High God, and he has been my fortress. He, he has I've been able to do whatever I've had to do, oh, not because of me, but because of him. He's a real-life God. This isn't a just church God. This is an everyday situation. He is everything that you need him to be. We're not going to worry. We're not going to fear. I don't care what happens in the economy. We don't live under this world's economy. In Genesis 26, there was a man named Isaac, and there was a famine in the land, which means nothing would grow out of the ground because it didn't rain. And God told him, he, he appeared to Isaac and said, don't go down to Egypt like everyone else. You stay right where you are, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. And it says that Isaac dug in the ground, he planted his seed, and he received a hundred times more than what he planted right in the middle of the famine when everybody else was starving to death. That's the economy we live under. I don't care if everything crashes, if the banks begin to fail, God will not fail you. You're, when everybody else has fallen, you're going to stand strong in him. I'm going to go down to verse 9. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. I love that promise. No disaster will come near your tent. You know what the tent, it speaks of your home, your family. The promise is not just for you, but God's saying, no disaster is going to touch your children. Why? Because if you, because you love him, because you honor him, God will throw a net around your whole family. And you might be thinking, but I know what happened to this one. I don't know. Whatever happens to people, I don't know. All I know is what God says. And I'm going to stand on the word of God no matter what happens. 
And God says, I will, I will guard your tents. I will be with your home in the middle of the night. Or if you live alone, you are not alone. If you're single, all you single people that live alone, you are not alone. The Spirit of God is with you, fighting for you. He is your alarm system. Verse 11, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that, that you will not strike your foot against a stone. <clears throat> you see, some of you maybe have a wrong idea about angels because sometimes I go to people's house. They put that picture up. This is people's idea of what an angel is. <clears throat> Some little helpless baby floating around in a cloud. What are they going to do for you? You see how the enemy will try to always bring deception? That is not an angel of God. An angel is a powerful, mighty warrior. And he follows you around everywhere you go. And he's got a mighty sword. And in the Bible, one angel destroyed a whole army. What do you have to be afraid of? You've got the Father with you. You've got the Spirit of God. And encamped all around you and around your home. A mighty, powerful warrior angel ready to fight on your behalf. To destroy whatever comes against you. The only thing that you have to be afraid of is fear. Because fear will open up the door for trouble to come. You look right in the face of whatever this life throws at you. And you say, my God is greater. Just like that song that you sing. Don't sing songs if you don't believe it. If you're going to sing, my God is greater, should I sing it? No. You better start believing the words you're saying. If your God is greater, then why are you walking in worry and fear and sleepless nights? There's angels watching over you everywhere that you go. Not little babies floating on clouds. Big, gigantic soldier angels. Verse 13, you will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Now, it's not speaking literally. Not many of us are going to go around jumping on lion's heads, right? If you do, let me know how it works out for you. I ain't doing that. I don't play that. These are symbols for the devil. You know where the devil is? He's saying he's under your feet. You, you stomp right over him when he tries to bring sickness and trouble to you. 
when he tries to bring fear and worry. Here you go, boom, he's gone. Don't come and tell me all upset. Oh, I have relatives in witchcraft and they putting curses on me. Then you just kick that curse right out the door. One time I was in another country at a conference, a Christian conference, and they found audio tape on the floor. Why? Because in those countries, a lot of people in witchcrafts, they hate Christians. So they take curses and they tape it on the tape, and then they take the actual tape and leave it on the floor. And everyone starts to get worried. What is it saying? You're going to trample on that junk. There used to be a revival called the Brownsville Revival in Florida. And Steve Hill, who was the preacher, he said, we know that there's some witches here, but if you're going to chant during the service, just keep, you could go ahead, but just keep it down so other people can hear the message. You see, we're not afraid of what the devil's doing. We don't care about no voodoo or witchcraft, santeria. We don't care who's going to kill a chicken. <laughs> because we have power and authority over every work of the enemy. So those who I asked to give testimony, I'm going to ask you to come up now. You see, I, I could give you powerful stories today from the Bible about how Daniel was saved from lions. Three Hebrew boys were saved from the fire. Peter was led out of prison by an angel. When Moses, the Red Sea opened up when they were surrounded by their enemies. The sea opened up and they walked right through. But instead, I, I want you to hear today what God is doing amongst you right here today because the God of the Bible hasn't changed. So I want you to hear some supernatural miracles of deliverance. Hi, my name is Erica. I've been attending church about <clears throat> one year. So my um, story goes back three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, I was in, in Puerto Rico with my kids, with my nieces and nephews, and one of my sisters. So on the first day of the trip, <clears throat> we're all in the pool. It's this big grand pool, has this big rock fixture. The pool goes up to six feet, six inches deep, which to anyone who swims, it doesn't sound like it's much, but when you can't swim, it's, it's, it is a lot. So um, there's three teenagers and two nine-year-olds. One nine-year-old's my daughter, the other one is my niece. So we're supposed to go snorkeling the next day, so I said, what better way to learn how to snorkel than in the pool? So they have their flippers, their gear on, and they're practicing. And, and then they see me and the older kids going to the deep end. They're like, we want to go with you. And I said, OK, we have the teenagers. We'll just guide them. So we're with them guiding. And they go back. And we go forth. And we go back. And we forth. We get three feet, then six feet, three. And we back and forth. And it's great. Then we go to this big rock fixture that has the pool inside. And they start jumping off the pool. And we're swimming back. And, and the two nine-year-olds are doing wonderful. So then the teenagers get hungry, because you know teenagers are always hungry, and they leave me. So then I leave the kids in the, the, the park, the shallow part, practicing, and I go for a few laps. So while I'm on one of the laps on the wall, just looking at them, 
on the six feet, six inches, my daughter is like, Mom, I want to meet you. I want to meet you. And usually I say no because I'm not a powerful swimmer and I don't trust myself in saving them. But since they had practiced so many times, I went against my better judgment and I let them come, my two, my niece and my daughter. So I'm like, I'll just watch them. If anything, I'll meet them halfway and make sure that they get back to safety. So as soon as their journey begins, swimming under a rope, my niece's snorkel went under the water. It took water in. So they have a mask on, and the mask has a nose piece. So I knew instantly this is going to be a problem because now she's not going to be able to breathe. And I, the one thing I didn't teach them was how to blow water out of the snorkel. So I said, let me go meet them. And as soon as I reached her, she pops up, hysterical. Her eyes are just like, <sighs> I said, it's OK. Take a deep breath. Just blow it out and just don't worry. We'll be fine. And she starts panicking. And when you're with someone who's panicking in the water, even if you're a good swimmer, they're going to start bringing you under. So I'm like, OK, the first thing that pops into my head, because now a series of directions start popping into my head, is look for stability. Look for something that you can grab onto, because you trying to swim with her is not going to be enough. So when I scan, I see the closest thing is the rock fixture that we were jumping off of earlier. And what this meant was I would have to turn my back on my daughter, who was with us, my nine-year-old, and, and go with my niece. So in this moment, so many things passed through my head. None of them was ever to let go of my niece, even though it meant I stood on the water holding her up to get water, and I had a mask on. So even though my mouth was covered, I'm trying to take breaths with my nose, but I had the nose piece also. So I'm panicking with nothing. And at that point, my daughter like, kind of notices there's something going on. And I'm not breathing. And I'm pushing her. And my back is just towards my daughter. And I'm pushing my knees towards this rock. And you never realize, for any swimmers, how deep six feet, six inches are until you realize you can't touch the floor and just jump back up and get air. You're good. That was not going to happen. So at that moment, I had no control. And I'm a person who loves control. And I realized I have absolutely no control in this situation. And I said, I have to get my niece. And, and in my head, I'm like, God, please watch my daughter, because there's no way I can save these two children together if she's panicking. If she's panicking and she's panicking, we're doomed. Right here, we're all three of us are dead, because I'm not picking one child over the other. My niece is like my daughter, and my daughter is my daughter, so it would just be all of us. So as my back is to my daughter, and I haven't turned around, because never did one of the directions was never to go check on, on your daughter, Jelani. Just keep Amy, keep Amy. And the directions is just swim, just go. And I'm praying, God, just please be with Jay. God, please be with Jay. God, please be with Jay. And suddenly, I had this push, this push behind me that brought me up for air. It brought me up for air, pulled my knees up more, and I had time to turn around. And I said, thank you, God, you sent someone. The push was so strong. It was like a man. I was like, thank you. Somebody saw us, and they helped me. I said, thank you, Lord. And I turned around, and it was my daughter. <laughs> it was my daughter. And I said, oh my God, she's OK. I was like, thank you, God. And now I know she's OK. Now I can continue focusing on my knees. And I know that my daughter is in your hands. And you're taking care of her. And you're helping us. And we keep swimming. And finally, we get to the rock. And I'm trying to throw my knees up. But the rock is meant to jump off. It's not meant for you to climb up. So I'm trying to look for somewhere where I could grab on. Finally, I grabbed on. And I pulled her up out of the water because she's like, Titi, Titi, which made my heart just like break. I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? Please just help me, help me, help me. And he's like, get to that spot. And I got to it. And I pulled her up. And we're both breathing. And at that moment, my father and my sister were like at the side of the pool, not paying attention to us. My father just turns around and screams, Amy, because he was hungry. And he's like ready to eat. 
And at that point, my, knee, my daughter popped out the water. Come here. Come here. He's like, no, I just put sunblock. She's like, come here now. They can't breathe. And at that moment, my sister pops up and realizes that I'm pale. And I'm like blue because I wasn't breathing the whole time. And now any little energy I had left was just clinging on to this rock and holding my niece above it. And I'm like, even if it's 10 hours, I'll stay here. We're breathing. We're fine. Once I recoup, I'll get out. But my father then was like, my sister was like, get in the water, because my sister's scared too. She gonna swim. She's like, get in the water. So he came and got her, and we made it back. And as soon as my feet finally touched the floor, I got the worst cramp in my leg ever. That if I would have gotten that cramp in the six feet six inches, it would have been over. But at that moment, all I could do was just thank God and thank God because I, he gave me a calm spirit. I wasn't panicking. The only thing that I was doing, I was praying. And the whole time was directions. And all of those directions got us to a safe place, got us to be able to breathe. And, and this song that we sang today was so powerful because his breath truly is in my lungs. Because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here today. So that's my thing. A nine-year-old had the power of a man. God gave her the power that he brought us up for air. And I thank him. I thank him for that. God bless. This uh, happened when I first got saved. Um, I had gotten saved, and at the time, I had a, uh, my mom's gave me a, a Grand Am. It's black and white, uh, rag top, old school looking Grand Am. So uh, me and my homeboys were like, let's break night. We're going to break night, and we're going to go to this festival. So I was like, all right, yeah, we break night. We drive up there after, and, you know, you know we, we'll spend the day out there, and we'll drive back. Long story short. We went over there, we had fun, and it was time to drive back. So I'm not good with sense of direction, so I told my homeboy, I said, you know, it was just me and him. I said, you know, you drive, and, you know, I just sit down, and I, I just need a little rest. So I'm, I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and I'm just resting, and I just, I dip into sleep. I'm just falling asleep. And so all of a sudden, I hear, mm, like an acceleration in the car. It just like gets, gets crazier, like, uh, so, it, you know, I just wake up. I just wake up. All of a sudden, I just look, and my man is passed out on the wheel like this. And I say, I look, and then I look at, at where we're going, and we're on the highway, and it's circling, going another direction. And we're heading towards the area where it's circling, and it's a highway. You know, it's busy. So I, I say, yo, and I try to grab the wheel. And I don't know, he just probably thought, you know, somebody was trying to fight him and just started just going crazy, like swinging and stuff. So I, I try to grab the wheel, and it was too late. We hit the divider, and we just take off on the sideway, and I just see the oncoming traffic. I close my eyes, and I say, oh, no. I close my eyes, and next thing you know, I just feel a da-doom, da-doom. I open my eyes. We're still on the same highway, on the same lane, and there's no traffic nowhere on both sides. So I grabbed the wheel, and he's finally, like, got back to his senses, and we, we, we pull over to the side of the road, and all, all we had basically was a, a, a flat tire. And so he just, he's just like, you know, he wasn't a believer, really. He just said, oh, my God, I, I, I believe in God right now. I believe in God right now. <laughs> I, and I told him, I said... If you saw what I saw, you definitely would have believed in God. <laughs> All I can say is, is he, he, he lets his angels, he gives them charge over us to keep us in the way. And I can't die until God says I die. Amen.
Amen. Um, uh, five years ago, when my son was 16 years old, we went to Kansas City to a young adult um, convention that they were having in Kansas City, and there was a blizzard, and, and um, uh, my son was supposed to go with my friend to the convention, and I was going to go get something to eat. So I thought he had already went with her. So I'm in the car, and I'm warming up the car. So all of a sudden, as I'm just waiting to warm up the car, I hear... Mom, mom, I'm like, what is that moaning sound? You know, because I'm thinking he left already. And I hear, ma, ma. And I'm, I turn around, I see it's my son down the street. And you know, so I'm like, what is he doing? So I get out the car, I'm like, Hector, what is it? And I see there's three Rockweilers surrounding him growling at him like this, just ready to lunge at him. So he's like, ma. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what am I gonna do? Because I'm in Kansas City. And in Kansas City, there's no bodegas in the corner, y'all. You know, it's not like I could go to the bodeguero and be like, mira, ayúdame, que hay uno perro ahí, que ta machete, something. It was just like me, my son, and just the three Rockwallers. And I'm gonna be honest with you guys, I was paralyzed with fear. I did not know what to do. I saw my son before me and he was about to get eaten up by these three very big, growling, hungry looking Rockwallers. On top of everything, I don't like Rockwallers and I don't like pit bulls. I'm sorry, I know we got, you know, Peter people up in here, but I, you know, I just don't trust them because the way people raise them up, you know, to be violent. So I don't know how these Rockwilders, they've been trained or whatever. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I'm just like, Jesus. And, and in my mind, I'm just silently like, like Lord, what, what do I do? And all of a sudden, when I tell you just a spirit of boldness and gangsterness. I said, wait a minute, hold up. These are demons manifesting themselves up and hold up. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I come right now against you, up against them Rockwallers. And when I tell you, as God is my witness, those Rockwallers, they were like this. Rah. When I said, I said, in the name of Jesus, get away from my son. And I went, I went after them, y'all, like I was about to do something. And I wasn't gonna do anything. Because seriously, how am I gonna, what am I gonna do to them Rockwallers? What am I gonna do to them? Punch them in the neck? They're gonna, they're gonna bite me, they're gonna eat me up. And I said, in the name of the, I went up to them like flexing on them. And then, um, it, you know, and it was the boldness of God, the authority of God, the anointing of God just was like, hold up, I am your husband. I'm gonna take care of you. Hold up, mamita, I got this right now. We're gonna take care of them Rockwallers. And them Rockwallers, I'm telling you, they went, they were like this, they looked at me, and they started going back. They went back because the authority and the shield of God was before me and said, no, you, I command you. If the mountains and the sea hear and know his voice, so will the rock rollers, so will the diseases, so will whatever, because he's my eternal husband. Thank you.
Amen, surrounded by Rottweilers. That's happened to me in a few churches I've been at. So, uh-oh. I forgot to tell you, when the Rockwilers left, the, the master of the Rockwilers, the lady who owned the Rockwilers, she came out to see the commotion. I didn't realize she was trying to tell the Rockwilers to come back in. They didn't listen to her, but they listened to the name of Jesus. And, and Hector, he was like, Mom, I can't believe it. The name of Jesus really works. Amen. So before Lee comes up, I'm going to ask the ushers to begin to distributing the elements for the communion. And when you receive it, when you receive the communion, if you could just wait till we're ready for everyone to take it together. So go ahead, ushers, go ahead. So Jesus said that in this world that we would have trouble, right? But he said, don't be afraid because he's overcome the world. And so sometimes, I, I don't live in the best community, and there are a lot of times that I've questioned God, and for those of you who have known me, we've been trying for years to get out of our particular neighborhood, and the door just keeps closing, and sometimes I want to just scream, and sometimes I literally cry because there have been shootouts, and there have been gang fights, and there have been all sorts of type of things to roll up a lot of fear in me, and... Even now, even, even now, even when, when I'm, I'm starting to be afraid, I hear the Lord always say, you know, be still. And if it wasn't for the situations that I was in, I would never see the glory of God. And I could sit here, I, I, I kid you not, I could write a book about the way that I have seen the protection and the provision of God over my family. But I'll share with you this one story that happened a couple years ago. And it was, well, what happened was a friend of mine and I had went to a prayer group one night. And we came back and we were sitting outside my building and we began to talk. And so she said to me, so listen, Lee, you know, could you just pray, um, pray for my, I don't know, let's say it was like her uncle or someone. She's like, could you pray? I forgot to ask the prayer group tonight to pray for him. So I said, yeah, sure. No problem. I was like, we could pray before I go upstairs. So we bowed our heads and we began to pray. And as I'm praying for her loved one, I have a vision. And in the vision, I see this man, and he's real angry, and he's just like, his face is down, and his, his head is low, and he's got this, but it has nothing to do now with what I've been asked to pray for. So I don't say anything about it, finish praying, I look up, and I tell my friend, I said, you know, it's so weird. I was like, she's like, thank you for praying. I said, yeah, no problem, but it's so weird. I said, I had this vision of this man, and he was like so angry. And the next thing I know, she's like, shut your doors, shut your doors, lock your doors, lock your doors. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? Now, what happened is that her automatic locks worked on every other door in the car except for the passenger side where I was sitting. And so she's telling me, lock your door, lock your door. And I'm, I, I have no idea what's going on. The next thing I know, I turn back and there's a man dressed all in black and he's trying to get in the car. And he's going like this, and he's yanking the car. Now, mind you, my door is the only door in the car that was not automatically locked. Had, it, she, had he come to my door first, he would have been able to open the door. So gave me enough time, and I tell you, within seconds, I locked the door. He comes two seconds later. I'm telling it was seconds, literally, no exaggeration. He comes to my door, and he starts going like this. Now, the entire time, just like the other sister was saying, I was completely coherent. I had no fear. I was, I was like, you know, 
Okay, what do we do? Like strategize. Okay, he's trying to open the door. Now my friend, she is freaking out. She's like, oh my God, oh my God. She's like hyperventilating. I'm like, start the car, start the car. So finally she starts the car, there's the red light. Now he's going around the other side because he can't get in these two doors. He's trying to get in and we actually start moving the car. He's still trying to get in the car. Now we don't know what he wanted to do. She pulls off, she leaves. Thankfully we got away and all was well. Now I'm not gonna say that didn't leave me with a little bit of fear, but I was like, you know what? The Lord covers, right? The Lord shields. I don't have to be scared of that terror by night. Well, then even after that, that situation happened, I was walking across a bridge one day, and this guy came over to me, and to make a really long story short, he was going to rob me from my phone. And I'm on a secluded bridge, and I'm walking, and I could probably tell he, he thought that I was vulnerable, and he's looking at me, and he's like, hey, what time is it? And I'm a, he, he, I know he's about to grab my phone, and I'm just, in, I'm just in my head in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Like, I'm just like, he is not going to rob me. And I just, I didn't say anything, but I just looked at him. You know, with that sort of like that stern mother look, like that authority, like without saying words, but that authoritative look. And he just looked at me, he just went, put his head back, and he walked away. And just recently, the last thing I want to share is that there was a, there was a domestic violence issue in my building. And this woman took all of her um, loved one's things and decided that she was going to burn it all up at 12 o'clock at night. And we were sound asleep. And my entire lobby of my building went up in flames. The entire lobby went up in flames. And we got a knock on our door at 2 o'clock in the morning from a neighbor who was like, did you know there was a fire downstairs? We had no idea. We were sound asleep. We didn't smell smoke, nothing. I, we go downstairs the next morning, it looked like a bomb had went off in my lobby. I mean, I was sitting there and all I did was start weeping and weeping because I knew that that fire could have destroyed my entire family. But I know that the word of God has promised that he would protect us. And all that terror that goes on in the night and even the people that stand outside and they fight and they want to start these shootouts even, last, even up to last night. They started screaming, and we thought something was going to break out. My husband wakes up in the middle of the night. Now, I don't know if you heard the wind last night, but that wind was fierce last night. They, he, the, the same pattern started. They started arguing, yelling, and that's always before the shootout happens. And my husband said he stood there, and he started to pray, and he said, Lord, no. Lord, no, not this time. Not again. Not again. He gets up again to look out of the window. He said the wind blew so hard that it took all their belongings and blew it out the way and started blowing them back. And then the next thing he knew, they all dis, you know, dissembled and they, they walked away and that was it. So I tell you that the Lord has his hand over our lives and no matter what comes to us, it cannot come to our dwelling, it cannot attack our children, and it cannot touch the hair on our head. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You see, Jesus Christ, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that parted the Red Sea, that kept the lions from eating Daniel, that saved the Hebrew boys from the midst of the burning fire, is the same God that goes with you. He hovers over you. He's in you. The Bible says he hems you in about, around and about. It says even if you went to hell and made your bed in hell, the spirit of the Lord would go with you. 
You can't shake them even if you want to. So we're going to take communion right now. Is it, can I get also the, um, any of the ushers, if I can also get uh, the emblem? Thank you. Before I was talking about what the Bible says about the last days, that evil will increase, that the changes would come in the weather, that, that darkness would come on the earth. But here's a promise for you from the book of Revelation. Revelation 7, verse 2. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, do not hurt the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. What is that saying? If you love Jesus, if you've got the spirit of God in you, there's an angel that has sealed you. You carry the mark of God on your forehead, whether you see it or not. And whatever you walk through, that mark on your head makes a way for you. It offers protection, provision. We are not afraid whatever comes on the earth. And do you know why? It's because of what you got in your hand. You see this bread. It represents the broken body of Jesus. It's because Jesus gave us his life that you have life, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it lives in you. The Bible says that there's healing from every sickness and disease in the broken body of Jesus. And that's why we take communion. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me so that when you go back out into the world, you'll remember the provision. You'll remember that I am a healing God. So Father, we just thank you today for the broken body of Jesus. And I release healing right now. Every sickness and disease in Jesus' name. I say it's broken over you. And I speak life, life over you, over your dreams, over your family, over your relationship, because it's all in the broken body. Let's partake together. I'm going to go to Psalm 91, verse 14. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. 
With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Long life. I believe not one of you is going to die before your time. It doesn't matter your family medical history. If your, if your parent died of cancer or heart condition, it doesn't mean it's got to touch you. Why? Because you are a new generation in Christ. And it says, with long life, I will satisfy him. It's God says, when you call on me, I will answer you. You teach that to your kids. You teach your kids when you're in trouble. You call on the name of the Lord, and he will be there. He's a God that hears. He's a God who is near. That's, that's his name, Jehovah Shammah, the God who is near you. So, so I'm going to ask if we can all stand and if the worship team can come. You see, this cup, it represents the blood of Jesus. And the Bible says that there's power in this blood because Jesus died and poured out his life and his blood. You are saved. You are a child of the king. And there's nothing that he won't do to help you. Like I said before, it doesn't mean that you're not gonna go through hell, but like Winston Churchill said, when you're going through hell, just keep on going, because God is gonna bring you out. He's gonna bring you through to the other side. Why? Because of the blood. So in Jesus' name, I plead the blood of Jesus over your life the protection of the blood of Jesus over you, over your family. I plead the blood over your bank account that no matter how the stock market may crash, that you will prosper because you live under the economy of heaven. And it's all because of the sacrifice of Jesus. He poured out everything for you. He gave you his all. And all he asks you in return is to get in the zone, to get into that secret place, to be in relationship with him because he loves you, because he loves when you come to him. That's all he wants from you. He wants your heart. And what does God say? Because you love him, he will answer you. In your time of trouble, he will help those he loves. So, Father, we thank you today for the blood. And in Jesus' name, by the blood of Jesus, I break the power of fear off of every life. If you've been carrying fear, worry, anxiety, I take authority over it right now, and I say it's broken broken in Jesus name no more insomnia no more sleepless nights worrying about tomorrow when there when you have a good father in heaven who will take care of you 
You see what he does? He looks beyond your fault and he sees your need. So let's drink together in celebration of all that Jesus has done.